Hi, I'm Glenn Harper, CPA and owner of Harper & Company, CPAs Plus, and partner in Sula Consulting. In each episode, my co-host, Julie Smith, Harper & Company's practice manager and partner in Sula Consulting, and I will interview a different guest about their entrepreneurial journey. The podcast features interviews with business owners, aka entrepreneurs, who bring intriguing and entertaining clarity to the entire entrepreneurial journey, giving others confidence to build their business. Our goal is to provide actionable value to you, the entrepreneur, to help you do business or build a business. Every entrepreneur deserves to enjoy the journey. Learning from others offers valuable insight and inspiration. We want to provide insight on the why, the how, the shortcuts, and the value add that many entrepreneurs wish they would have had identified at the onset of their journey. Sit back and enjoy the journey. Well, welcome to another edition of Empowering Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Glenn Harper. I'm Julie Smith. What's going on, Julie? Well, I'm having a bad hair day, so I'm a little ah, disappointed. That struggle's real. If only I had my mullet, it would be great. But Yeah, you don't anymore. get to have no, a bad hair day, do a, you? No, You're just lucky not to anymore. have a hair day. Pretty much. Pretty much the struggle, it's real. But no, we've got a great guest today. Um, I'd like to introduce you to Terry Kim. Hey, Terry, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. Oh, we appreciate you taking some time and spending with us. And uh, I've got a little bit of a, a warm up here. And if uh, anything is incorrect or you want to modify, please let me know. But I'll, I'll give my best stab here. Glenn has a degree in stalking. So it's really, I'm very, very <laughs> limited in skill set, but I really want to try hard. Uh, Terry Kim, a fellow entrepreneur and a rock star podcaster, is a, is a passionate about fellow, fellow entrepreneurs, but loves to protect them by elevating them from an from an engineering perspective, which is interesting. He is the founder and owner of NextGen T Academy, a cybersecurity and engineering boot camp. As only an engineer can appreciate, he has a program called Zero to Engineer for training and methodologies. He is obsessed, an obsessed entrepreneur that thrives on helping other entrepreneurs find their meaning of life. So I hope that kind of summarizes what you do, but I think that pretty much does it, right? Yeah, I would say that's a great intro. Yes. Um, Nailed yeah. It. So, um, yeah, I've been a serial entrepreneur for probably the last 12 years in, in the tech startup space specifically. And uh, NGT Academy is my second startup uh, that I've kind of brought in to the world. Where, where did you, uh, you know, we always like to start from the beginning. We're trying to figure out well, where, did the, where, were, where you raised at, where you're born at, and where you were raised at. Yeah, I was actually raised in uh, Seoul, Korea for first half of my life. Uh, so... Um, first generation Korean American military brat. So my dad was army retired. And Ooh. so I was naturalized really early. Um, but uh, he was uh, stationed overseas in Yongsan, Seoul, Korea for the longest. So I, I was really born and raised in, in Korea, uh, Korean being my first language and then English being my second. How about that? What age were you when you moved to America? I was, I was 21. And 21. when I moved, it was uh, by joining the air force. So, um, I didn't know I was going to get myself into tech, and it was in 1999 when uh, I actually got a spark or interest or passion into technology, and was really forced. My, it really forced my reality at that time to explore a different career path because my original um, career path was becoming a DJ and a world famous K-pop star. So awesome! It's changed quite drastically. Well, it's that that's still there though, right? right. You know, if it ever comes up deep down inside, you want to be that still. Yeah, um, I, I think my music days are over, but I do have a keen interest in music and I've always had the love for music. I think music is just one way to express our, our artist, 
our artistry and our creativity to express, you know, whatever message we want to deliver to the world. So, um, yeah, we'll see if I <clears throat> end up doing some DJing down the road. But yeah, I, I'm really just passionate about technology and and bridging uh, the gap between mission-driven founders and helping them, empowering them, inspiring them to find mission-driven companies. So what was that spark that came up that made you pivot into that world? If you could share that story, if there is one. It, so the story from um, moving into tech or into entrepreneurship? Moving into tech, like what, but you said there was something that sparked that. What was that? Yeah, it was actually a movie. Um, it's called The Matrix, 1999. Yes. Great yes. movie, great movie. <laughs> that movie literally uh, was the spark of, of my interest into technology and it was pre-dot-com you know, boom, everyone was talking about the Y2K 2000, like all the electronic the devices will crash and whatnot. But I, I knew that it was the future. It was just, we were just getting into information technology and I knew it was the future. And I had no idea of even how a computer operates or even how to boot up a computer. So that's how illiterate I was in, in technology. Did you, were you, were you in the Air Force at this time, or when did you? And uh, when did you join the Air Force, and how long did you stay in before you got out? And where you did you explore this tech thing while you were in the Air Force? Yeah. So, uh, you know, the long story short is that when I discovered that movie, I wanted to get into tech, and I was working. I was a DJ and doing some K-pop albums at night, and then I to keep my visa in the country, I was working on a base uh, at a four-star hotel called Dragon Hill Lodge. And they had these this MIS department with all the blinking lights and um, you know a lot of uh, the glass you know you couldn't even see through it and I'd be so curious like what's behind there and I'd just see all these like blinking lights and I, I knew I wanted to get into that department. <laughs> However, they told me that I needed a bachelor's degree at that time and I needed more experience and I knew that college was not the route for me because I'm a practical hands-on learner. Um, and I knew like the best way for me to learn was to get my hands dirty. And so my, my father told me, Hey, if you want to get into tech and you want to get your hands dirty, maybe the military route is the option, but I wouldn't join the army. Like I did, I would join the air force because those guys are super high tech. And that's when I uh, explored different career path in IT and in, especially in the Air Force and found this uh, AFC called uh, 3C2. It was like a tech control communication field. And uh, it required a top secret clearance to score high on your ASVAB and your electrical engineering. So I studied my butt off for those two kind of subjects, took the ASVAB, which is like an SAT for military, and got into this career field and started on the help desk work my way up to a network engineer, and then eventually became a technical instructor on Keesler Air Force Base. So I served five years, three years in the field, and two years as a technical instructor. Let me see if I got this straight. You, I mean, we always have this debate or, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs go to college, some don't, some yeah. self-learn it. But engineering, I mean, that literally should be one you should have to go to college for. So for you to be able to self-study that, that's impressive. I mean, that's hard to do. But wait, I want to go back to the fact that this whole story. Well, hold, hold on. But to be an engineer, most 
uh, business majors don't make it in engineering well, and they go into business world. That's the it. standing joke. So for you to just bypass yep. that, that that's pretty cool. It, was it the military that gave you that training that you just felt like that's your best way to learn it? Or was it just all self-study? I'm, I'm intrigued by this because engineering is really, really hard. Engineering is hard. So there's this kind of notion that if you want to get into engineering or, or law degree or even become a doctor, you need to go to um, college. Mm-hmm. Well, it is true for the, the doctor path, the scientist path, and also the lawyer path. However, for engineering, specifically in IT, it is a misconception. Um, to break into IT, you need practical hands-on training. So to give you uh, an example, in our 16-week uh, boot camp training, these 18, 19-year-olds would come out of basic training at a Lackland Air Force Base in Texas for two weeks. And that that gives them the discipline, you know, waking up at 5 a.m., all, all that stuff is great. And the, the level of maturity of an 18, 19-year-old coming out of boot camp is that they're ready to be trained and they go to a technical school. So, for example, if you wanted to be an air traffic controller, one of the hardest professions to actually learn, it's a skill set. But we don't send the 18, 19 year old off to college for four years, right? They go to air traffic training school for six months and they graduate and they're in the field. The same thing is with network engineering or cybersecurity operations. We train them for 16 weeks and they have to set up and support mission critical networks and secure that network from hackers and whatnot. So it's a different level of training when it comes to job readiness. And that's when, like in 2015, 2016, I had this idea of Zero to Engineer, which led me to write this entire book called The Zero to Engineer, a story of the American dream, right? Breaking into IT without a college degree. And the truth of the matter is that in IT, all you have to do is get practical, hands-on training, a few IT certifications, and you're in the door. So why wait? four years when you can do it in a matter of month. And that's the concept of the zero to engineer. That is awesome. So here, uh, again, so one would say that even joining the military and having them train you in that specific field, whatever that could be, because you kind of get to pick, don't you? I mean, you get certain triggers or whatever, but wow, what a, what a shortcut to get the hands-on knowledge. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, for every profession in the Air Force or in the military in general, you're training for a minimum of two to six months max, and you're in the field ready to go. And so it's like, how can, what we're seeing is like Google, Facebook, Tesla, everyone dropping the degree requirement now, because we're seeing that the talent workforce needs a new, you know, generation of workforce that comes in that are job ready and they have the right aptitude, cognitive training uh, already done. Go ahead, Julia. Sorry, I went in a rabbit hole there. I know, but I, I'm I'm going to go back to the fact of this American dream started because he was working at a hotel and saw flashing lights and decided <laughs> he wanted to be in that room at some point, and that's where it all started. A passion. I mean, your literally passion for life and what you were going to do was all built curiosity. Yep. Yeah. That's correct. Curiosity and and understanding that. You can become anyone you want to become. And, you know, the best way to do it is to find someone that's done what you've, you you want to accomplish. So, you know, if you're listening to this, like it took me 10 years to get my dream job. So at 21, 
in 2000 when I joined the Air Force, I I knew I wanted to go work for this company one day, which was called Cisco Systems at the time. Mm-hmm. They were building the infrastructure, the backbone of the internet. And they were, you know, the Fortune 100 company. I'm like, I'm going to go work for them one day as an engineer. And 10 years later, I was a systems engineer at the top of my field working at Cisco when then I felt like, huh, what's next? Because I did feel like a cog in a wheel at mm-hmm. at an employer that had 70,000 employees. And that's when I got the, the startup bug um, at the peak of my career in 2012. Did you... Oh, I'm sorry. Did you? Oh, go ahead. Go so ahead. from 2001 to, you know, 2010, can you think of someone who was had a really big impact on your life um, that kind of sets you where you are? Someone who you might call a mentor or someone who just really took you under their wing and helped lead you to where you obviously ended up in 2010? I wouldn't say I, ha- I had a specific mentor. It was just this this big lofty goal of mine, right? Like first generation Korean American coming out of poverty. Um, you know, we, we live paycheck to paycheck. And um, I li- I went like out of my house, right? I, I left the house at 16. So I started pretty early in terms of like being uh, self-independent and wanting to make money and to carve out my own path or destiny uh, at an early age. And so um, I would say it was just that dream, that that big dream of working for Cisco Systems one day. And I thought that would be the the pinnacle of my career. Like that was it. And mm-hmm. and so when I hit that goal at 31, because I was just marching towards that goal. Um, and and when it when it arrived, it was like, okay, I need I need to find something new that excites me and 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 moves me into a, a different chapter of my life. Did your you know, growing up, did was it all just you know, you know, as being a military brat and going around and traveling and doing those things, and it you know, that's tough, right? You got to meet new friends everywhere you go. And does did your parents or family members did they have entrepreneurial desires, or did they like being plugged into a structured environment and doing their thing that way? I mean, because again, entrepreneurs, I don't know if they, uh, I, th- I think most of them are born that way. And, and sometimes it has to be awakened, but sometimes mm-hmm. they just learn and they're like, wow, this is a better option for me. They, they not may not be one, but they can become one. But did you just know it or did you see somebody that said, hey, this looks like a pretty cool thing? It was really just a curiosity. They used to call me the question man because I would <laughs> ask all the questions. Um, and it was just not being afraid to ask questions and having humility and just being humble to learn new things. And it was in 2012 when... I was at the peak of my career was just thinking, wow, like there's just so much technology. And I saw these founders that had engineering backgrounds, startup companies um, in the tech sector. Maybe it's like creating a new wireless device, uh, Wi-Fi router. It could be as simple as that for a small business. And uh, that intrigued me. So I started reading on a lot of TechCrunch articles and founders building companies and uh, in 2012, uh, there was a language called Ruby on Rails it was really taken off. Um, people were creating these beautiful apps um, and designing it. And and I I was thinking like, hmm, what if I turn my uh, skill sets of learning these new technologies, engineering 
and start learning software development and application life cycles and things like that. And that's when I got the bug to create a software app in the cloud uh, that could be used for managing large IT projects. And that was kind of my first venture into uh, the tech startup world. So are you more of a software or hardware guy on the tech space? Or you like them both? I like them both, to be honest with you. Um, you know, um, if you think about network engineering or cybersecurity, you're, 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 you're working on a lot of devices, but the software that's on top of it is what needs to be programmed. So whether it's through a user interface or through a command line, like you see on these kind of hacker movies, we're configuring away the firewall, the router, like this Zoom call is happening because of the infrastructure that's built, the architecture. So, you know, I, I love both architecture from an infrastructure standpoint, but then I love the software that brings that device to life. Um, if that makes sense. It does. And and again, a non-engineering person like myself, I love watching how it's made and see how things work. But this kind of stuff is way beyond my brain capacity. And, and I, I just turned it on. And it's supposed to work. What do you see, you know, from back in 2001, when you saw those lights behind the, the curtain there, and now here we are today, it's got to be amazing to be part of knowing how this change is happening and be integrated and, and know what this is like what's next i mean what is the next thing i mean I, it's got to be this artificial intelligence it's got to be people hacking you how do you protect yeah. and and know a typical like your clients from when i looked at your bio here you know a typical client to help them navigate that to be secure but also not get ai out of the out of existence what, what do you see this trend going to yeah so ai, AI is taking the market by storm especially in it um, I see it affecting a lot of job positions, especially even software engineering, uh, which at NGT Academy, we have no programs around software engineering. In fact, a lot of people m make that mistake, think, hey, we do coding boot camps, but we focus on uh, the other, you know, hundreds of jobs um, outside of software engineering. So it could be network administration, systems admin, network engineering, cyber ops, um, consulting, uh, IT management. Uh, project management, uh, data science. You know, we we just launched the data science track. Well, we're launching it next week. Uh, we have DevOps and cloud. We have data center. Just so many variety of jobs. So we we offer six tracks here at NGT Academy from zero to engineer. We also have some kind of um, different programs that help people stuck in IT to level up them into an engineer status. But what I see with AI is that we have to become more like architects. We have to become more creative artists, even in the IT industry, because a lot of the mundane tasks that we used to do are getting automated mm -hmm. with, with automated scripts and things like that. So um, the world will need a new generation of thinkers and, and, and creative people uh, designing these solutions. And it's just becoming more and more easy to deploy it. So I think automation, um, AI is um, in our favor, meaning we ha we can automate all those mundane tasks that, uh, you know, we, we used to do manually before. And now we can spend more time architecting, more time intentionally designing the solution for a better user experience. I'm telling you, the uh, AI thing is so bizarre. Uh, to a little bit of old school where you used to, you know, even in our industry and, you know, tax accounting, you know, it, everything's kind of just imported in and you don't have to do that data entry anymore And because nobody really <laughs> wants to do it. And no, who yep. wants to grow up and say, I want to be a coder, right? You, right. I think 
your from your standpoint, it's like, well, what are we trying to accomplish? And we can just AI the code, but we need to what is we want it to do, right? And I think that's what yep. you're probably so when you teach this is your passion as an entrepreneur, it was learning how to do these systems and, and build these things. Now you're teaching people how to do it, but is there really the end game to help teach the people who are going to teach the companies who are going to make the new stuff? I mean, where is your path going here? Like, what are you trying to really accomplish? So right now there's 572,000 open cyber jobs in just the USA market. What? Yes. So cyberseek.org, you can check out the heat map, right? Like Texas alone probably has like 55,000 open jobs. So the amount of uh, cybersecurity workforce needed in the IT industry is is huge demand for it. And it's going to soar up to about two and a half million over the next few years. And so our our mission here at GT Academy is, right, like, how do we change a million lives? Um, I like to say we're not a technical training company. We're a transformational company because mm-hmm. what really led me and propelled my career was just this passion of getting into IT and learning the hands-on skills and getting just passionate about um, getting these uh, solutions out into the world. So, um, you know, we've been around for seven years and um, NGT Academy is on a mission to just be a true alternative to college. So instead of putting 18, 19 year olds on 100K debt decisions, where it's like, hey, sign on this dotted line. I mean, we've we've accumulated a trillion dollars in student debt in the past 10 years. Um, it's it's it's, it's unfortunate yeah. that parents and and students they both are let's just say brainwashed that they have to send their kid to college and the student that cannot afford or the parents can't afford a 529 or don't have any savings, then they're going to go to community college and put them in, into debt and and find a way to get that bachelor's degree. And it's like four, six years into the journey. And there's no promise that they'll even get um, a IT job once they come out of college because college is 90% theory and concept and 10% practical. And, and, and a lot of those professors, they've never touched, the real um, you know, a, a data center or configured, you know, real world IT solutions in the field. So, um, yeah, the world is changing and we're excited to be part of that to really uh, allow people uh, to have an alternative path to college. It's a program that I would have joined instead of the Air Force, in fact, um, even if I discovered something like this was available in, in 2000. That's wow. that is just really the cool thing. Now, when you started, decide to start your business and do your thing, you know, it's a it's a big deal to leave a comfy comfy com- company like Cisco mm. and be one yes. of the seventy thousand. You have a you have help desk for everything. There's processes, systems, and you're just a cog in the wheel. And you know what to do, and you're like, yeah, that doesn't do it for me anymore. I want to go do thing on my own. I mean, that is by definition just really crazy, right? By all intents of what people think, but is it was the driving force more that you wanted to do it your way, or you just didn't want to be kind of told what to do or you just felt like they weren't doing what you really liked doing. I mean, there's always a reason why you would leave that, right? It's it's a big decision, right? Most people would not leave that. That's correct. Yeah. People thought I was kind of uh, crazy because um, it is a position that a lot of engineers seek out, especially at Cisco. And there's a great quote um, by Albert Einstein that says the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over again and expecting a different result. So for me, it's like my mind, the way it works is like when I'm in a certain position or pathway, it kind of projects out like like the next 10, 20 years. And so when that played out, it it became mundane for me. Right. Mm -hmm. So 
I could have stayed at Cisco and worked my way up the corporate ladder, but you know, life is short and I wanted to make a bigger impact. And when I saw ITT Tech charging $85,000 for these network engineer degrees, I knew it was a scam. And, and I knew that there was a better path and a faster path without the debt and without all that time wasted on non-practical learnings. And so that was a spark of like, hey, I, I've done this in the military. I've trained thousands of 18, 19 year olds. Why not take that model and deploy it out into the civilian sector? Um, and, and that's what really sparked that idea. But did you meet some, I mean, along this way and getting those <laughs> thoughts, like, did someone ask for your assistance and that created that kind of spiral and projecting that you talk about? Or, I mean, something had to have happened somewhere along the way. I mean, not only were you bored, but I would think, you know, if I was bored in your position, I'd be like, well, how many of these things can I build? Like, you know, how can I emulate Cisco and the job that I'm in? And you totally pivoted into how can I help this career, which is different right. than what you were. I mean, to me, that's different than what you were doing. And so for sure. that's why I'm that's why I, yeah, like, you're did not someone ask you for help and assistance. And that sparked that pa that ignited that passion behind that or no, not at all. Yeah, I think it's a culmination of a lot of conversations, just uh, trends, uh, seeing the market move, um, talking with CIOs and IT directors and hey, Terry, I, I need some engineers. Do you know anyone in your network? Like I'm hiring these college students and, and they know nothing. They don't know nothing. And so like that really kind of sparked the idea. And I would mentor people that wanted to break into the IT industry as well. So it was, it was more about impact, right? I think we find, uh, you know, a time in life where it's like, Hey, is this still my my passion? Is this still my ikigai? Uh, beautiful Japanese concept of where you know your passion, what you love, what you're good at, what the world needs, and 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 what you can get paid for. And finding that ikigai has been my north star. Um, I would say every five years, I kind of revisit that um, to see like what am I ex truly excited about, and what what can I um, be in service into the world for. And and I think that's what really sparked that idea of uh, taking that concept and really deploying it um, out into the world. And that was my second startup. Um, my first startup was not this company, actually, when I left Cisco. I, I, I built a software management uh, app in the cloud for IT teams. And uh, I, I I did that venture in Atlanta. Um, and um, when I crashed and burned after uh, pouring about a quarter million into that business venture and enough runway, um, I actually was in massive debt and massive failure and in severe depression for about three months. Um, and uh, it was it wasn't until I started listening to Tony Robbins, which picked me out of depression and got me back into the workforce for about 18 months until I got the idea for zero to engineer and and decided to do it again at even at, at a better company, at a better job, at Arista Networks, I was probably make looking to make two times more than what I made at Cisco. And at Cisco, I was making about 175. So, it, you know, um, again, uh, wanting to do it again, it was pretty crazy it's too. Like you got to have your head examined, but that's what you do because, you know, to your point, Julie, like how did he get where he got? And so it's like, look, I want to go build my own thing as an engineer because that's what engineers do. They build stuff, right? Yes. You did that. And it's like, wait a minute, this is not, this isn't working the way it wants. Well, what do I do now? Well, that transformation that we see with entrepreneurs is that you end up starting to do this thing and then you realize this is bigger than me. 
right? And you have a skill set that says, well, I'm going to teach everybody else how to do this. And so now I don't, you probably tinker and build some stuff in your shop in the corner. You probably put on a funny hat and you do this stuff and you, you know, build some cool stuff. I would imagine you still do that, but now it's about teaching others to fill a void and there's a business opportunity there. And that didn't really even exist when you were doing building your, the first company you did. Right. So there it is. Love it. But I also want to, you know, as a reflection, and I think, you know, for all of our listeners, you definitely went through a valley before you hit your peak, right? Maybe the lowest of lowest valleys Mm. for you. And if any of our listeners, you know, what could you glean from that, that from a positive take as you've kind of, you know, I think you're at a peak right now, you know, being able to impact so many lives and you've been able to kind of have a plan for the future, for all of our entrepreneur listeners who may find themselves in a valley right now, what advice, now that you're out of it, would you give them? I think we're always going through this hero's journey. And the hero's journey, I like to tell people, whether you're an entrepreneur or a aspiring professional in whatever career path, is that you're going to have to go through the hero's journey. Like any any Hollywood movie, we're going to have to go through the pain and suffering of becoming the best version of ourselves in any new skill sets that we learn. And so if we embrace that, we understand that everything is happening for us and that everything in life is a lesson to help shape the become to help shape who you need to become, right? As an entrepreneur is just is it's a beautiful thing, but you have to fall in love with that process, meaning that journey For example, when I failed and I was licking my wounds and uh, feeling sorry for myself, that's the hero's journey. But in that reflection, in that darkest moment, you will find the greatest gifts. And, and, And it's just hard to explain, but that's when you will be able to rise from the ashes like the rising phoenix, I like to say, Mm -hmm. and learn from all those mistakes, learn from all those failures, because I'm a stubborn guy, like, You know, you can tell me to do something one way, but I got to do it on my own and I have to fail and I have to fall on my face in order not not to make that mistake again. I think it's just um, it's 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 the it's the cycle of becoming an entrepreneur. I don't I don't believe anyone is born an entrepreneur. Um, You anyone can become an entrepreneur in the right timing if if you find a passion project and you want to bring it out to the world. That's why some of the greatest entrepreneurs stumble upon their ideas in an environment, in a setting when they get so frustrated with a problem. Like I was, I was so frustrated with the the college um, industry and, and, and these high degrees that were just charging people massive amounts of money. So, you know, when I can change someone's life, that's when I get most excited and and the impact that I can make. So as an entrepreneur, it's about learning the skills along the way and that know that at any given time you can pivot or generate a new idea. And, and, um, yeah. I don't think you ever failed. And I think this is a really interesting (laughs) reflection because just like you kind of talked about the hero cycle, you never Mm. failed. You just were pivoting or figuring it out and what was being given to you and what you could make out of it. You never failed. You just took that moment to be able to pivot to do what you were supposed to be doing. Yes, that's 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 correct. Like it's it's like on the journey, you know, I've been running this business for seven years and I'm actually looking to kind of 
uh, groom the next CEO to take this business mm-hmm. over. And it's not because I'm not passionate about the mission. I want I want this mission to go on, but I have new passions, right? Like right now I'm big into um, holistic healing, uh, sleep and breath work. And, and this is something that's just kind of encompassed into my life like over the last few years, but I'm really excited about my my stealth startup. Uh, I just uh, we just launched it literally about a week ago, and my co-founder is my 19 year old uh, daughter, and we formed a company in the sleep wellness industry. So, um, and and this came about due to frustration frustration of not being able to sleep well anytime anywhere. Um, really frustrated with all the sleep aid market uh, tools out there, especially in the sleep mask industry. So we developed uh, the world's most advanced sleep mask. This is my first physical product as an entrepreneur. It's called Ohm Sleep. And we spent 16 months uh, building this. So there is a tech component which pairs with a mobile app. But this is the world's first uh, sleep mask with uh, zero pressure on the ears. So like the headphones that you Mm -hmm. have, it's got Bose-like comfort and I'm a side sleeper, but we developed this sleep mask. It's it's from, you know, a passion of mine, right? So like as an entrepreneur, you have to find something that ignites you and that you're super passionate about. And you have to ask yourself, can can you create a product or service that's better than what's in the market? And if you can, that becomes a new product or a new company that you can start. So I've got to go back to a couple of things here because there's there's so many nuggets in here. This is unbelievable. So the the first thing is that oh he got his coffee. We can start yay. now. All right, now he's awake. <laughs> no, gosh, if he's on coffee, I don't know what it's going to happen now. Uh, the you know as an entrepreneur, it's a very lonely place. And when your business did not was not financially successful, the first one, you know, there's nobody to to comfort you. There's nobody that can empathize with you. The same way when this new business took off. Like, you know, when Next Gen T took off, like there's there's nobody to share that with. It's it's you, right? You're the only one they have to rely to. But but understanding as an entrepreneur that you have to go through that valley to appreciate and understand that it's about that cycle that we were talking about, right? So that's that's the first nugget that I think is important to note that you didn't know that valley was that important at the time. You just were like you know, I'm the big L word and this is horrible and whatever. And then you come out of it and you're like, ah, that's, that's the why. So it makes you tougher. But the other thing is as an entrepreneur, you went from a, again, building something, a tangible trying to build, even though it's a cloud app, whatever, you're still building something to like teaching people. But once you make that transition from an owner operator, you now Mm -hmm. want to be an owner investor, which is you built a company. Now you have somebody else run it. So you can do the next thing that you like. And I knew you were tinkering on something in the basement. I knew it. And then you just showed it. So <laughs> you can't tell me you're not doing that. So we we yeah. know that's how it is. And then now here's the next opportunity. And look at the next thing you do. You're taking your daughter, teach her how to be an entrepreneur. She may have the tendencies, may not. But you're gonna. she is going to skip to the head of the line because all those shortcuts you've learned and all those pitfalls, you already know what to do. So she's going to plug and play a little bit. Now, I hope she doesn't you know, have a hard time but I hope she does because then you'll make her tougher and she'll be smarter after that. Right. I, I assume you're thinking the same thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's like my protege. Right. So like I, I mentor her like um, and I, I let her, you know, know and give her space and give her uh, enough space to fail and try and to be bold. Right. Because in when building a new company, it's all about innovation. 
And so in order to innovate, you need space to time uh, to create that innovation. And, and, and in that space and time, you need to fail, right? Like Thomas Edison, you know, failed a thousand times. Well, Brilliant. that's a thousand lessons to build the electron or the, the light bulb. Um, so, yeah. And yet he kept going and he would sleep, what, like 10 minute naps, like four times a day. That was it. I mean, he barely slept at all. And I mean, he was well, he a, yep. his sleep madness. Mask. Yeah. If he had the mask, imagine what we would be doing right now. We'd probably be teleporting or something cool. Um, but tell me a little bit more. So the sleep mask, I'm kind of, I've uh, tinkered in that uh, realm of, you know, researching and trying to understand because like many mm. people, sleep sometimes doesn't come easy to me, right? Because it's hard to shut your mind off. But the other, the other thing that you're doing that I think is newer or is gaining traction is this breath work. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So um, let's touch on sleep a little bit and then we'll move into the breath work. So sleep, uh, you know, what we don't do is like most people do not optimize their sleep. And if you think about it, you know, the days when you lack sleep. Like your whole day goes wrong, right? You, you you know, you could be, you know, more frustrated. You could, you know, um, feel less confident. Like lack of sleep just like hurts you overall. As an entrepreneur, as a person, it doesn't matter. So it's like, why do we not optimize our sleep? We are optimizing everything else, like mornings with caffeine and going to the gym and all of that. But at the end of the day, sleep actually is the number one thing you can do. Uh, to better heal, to to be a better person. Like overall, what I found in all my habits and routines was sleep. Sleep was the one area that I needed to optimize. And so I got really obsessed around sleep, especially because I had this chronic illness that I was going through back during the COVID days in 2019 to 2020. And I discovered that sleep was the modality to heal, to sleep was the modality to vision something new for my life. And it's interesting um, um, when you fall asleep, when you start getting groggy or a little sleepy, that's when your brain goes into like a delta wave. And um, if you can really figure out how to do your evening routine right, you can drift away into a peaceful, calm sleep versus being on your phone all the way to the last minute and then trying to go to sleep. Your mind is completely wired. So we're we're so accustomed to all these dopamine hits like mm -hmm. constantly and constantly and we don't know how to wind down so what i found is when i discovered these frequencies called sulfagio frequencies and binarial beats these frequencies are designed to release melatonin to re release and to unwind and to clear the mind and that's the best time to manifest or write down and journal what is it exactly that you desire what do you want to bring more into your life what do you want to let go and what do you want to be grateful for and so once i manifest once i created these really routines or habits i saw my life completely shift around and so Going back to sleep is it's important to understand that sleep is actually there's two ways to manifest your reality. And and this is not some woo, -woo stuff. Um, this is things that I've applied my whole life and manifested every reality um, into existence due to my thoughts, my thinking and how I think of myself. And the going back to two ways to manifest one is through prayer. Prayer could be a form of meditation. You can pray, you can meditate, visualize that is a way to take a thought form 
and to take action because you start believing in that thought form and then it starts manifesting in your in your field the second way to manifest anything in your life is actually through subconscious programming and how do you program your subconscious it's during your sleep so so subconscious the brain has 95 percent um, of the conscious mind, the waking mind, like you're reacting to the world, waking up, I got to do this, I got to do that. Um, the subconscious is your belief system. It's 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 what really drives you. What's your desires, your passion? And so to be able to go into the subconscious and plant new ideas and new seeds, you have to do it right before you go to bed. And that's one of the secrets to being able to understand this, understand the metaphysics, to understand the science behind the importance of sleep. So I like to use sleep for manifesting my new life and to be able to sleep deep, uh, to unwind and to get that uh, sleep that's needed in the circadian rhythm. And then I got introduced to breath work um, accidentally. Um, first time with Wim Hof, um, the Iceman that climbed Mount Everest yeah. in shorts. And it was very intriguing. I took my whole team out there. We did an ice bath in San Jose and uh, got introduced to breath work. And I was just like, wow, like 30 breaths. And like, I feel so amazing. Like I feel I'm in bliss. And, you know, I kind of walked away from that practice after a couple of years until I discovered a holotropic breath work. Have you guys heard of holotropic? No, please do tell. So it's a, yeah, holotropic is, ve is very fascinating. Um, so... Two doctor psychiatrists in the 70s, Dr. Stan uh, Groffin, uh, Gro I'm butchering his name, but um, Stan Groff Groffin. Um, anyways, two psychiatrists studying LSD and the profound effects of LSD in the 70s were looking at this uh, psychedelic and seeing that people can get into these altered states of consciousness, especially around uh, unity consciousness or just feeling complete in love um, and in bliss. And they started studying this. And when, when they banned uh, LSD in the late 70s, they wanted to continue the research and find out, it, are there ways for people to experience these altered states of consciousness? And they studied breathwork. And they developed a three-and-a-half-hour breathwork journey of deep taking deep inhalations through the mouth and deep exhalations through the mouth. Um, and doing this for three and a half hours. And what they found is from their studies, and they took these studies to John Hopkins University and continued it and found that people can reach these altered states of consci consciousness where the body starts tingling, uh, the emotional body starts releasing any trapped emotions, trauma, you name it. And then they would reach these higher states of consciousness where they would feel blissful. And it's been it's been fascinating to experience that. So my first time I experienced that, I was like in heaven, like completely in bliss. And I was like, wow, this is very powerful. And so I started studying more Qigong, metaphysics, and um, uh, Reiki, healing, things like that. And um, I actually now hold breathwork. Uh, I facilitate breathwork journeys. So just had one uh, this past Sunday at our local Buddha Bella Center here in Phoenix. And I'm actually doing a virtual one on December 14th, but it's a two and a half hour journey where we intention set, go deep into a 90 minute breath work, and then we down regulate with a beautiful sound bath. That is fascinating. Yeah. So, um, I'm kind of speechless. Like I'm just thinking about your journey and I'm like, okay, we've done all these things and now and, we're here. And all of a sudden he was doing this thing. Now he's doing this thing and the other thing. And so, 
you know, I guess the, the takeaway of this is I'm really intrigued on this, and I'm sure our listeners are as well, is can you throw out a, a plug for the three things that you do here, the, not only the breath work, but the, the the mask thing, the sleep aid, and also the engineering thing. Throw out a plug so people can get a hold of you. Uh, if you don't mind doing that, that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you have a son, kid, or or relative, or a friend, or a cousin like that wants to break into tech and they're just sick and tired of their job, and they have no purpose, um, you know, the tech the tech career path is not going away. So you can go to zerotoengineer.com um, and check out what we have to offer. If you go to zerotoengineer.com forward slash book for those listeners, you can get my book for free. This will break you into your first job. All you have to do is pay $9.95 for shipping anywhere in the world. And you can break into your 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 field with that, just this book. You don't even have to buy any of our programs or courses. So uh, that's my gift um, to anyone listening that wants to break into IT. Secondly, if you are having trouble sleeping, if you are having trouble with anxiety, depression, wanting to find meaning and purpose in your life, um, quite funny enough, I would recommend the Ohm mask. Um, the Ohm mask you can get at ohmsleep.co. And the reason I say get an Ohm mask, not only will it help you with your sleep, but this app, you'll get lifetime access to the Awaken app. And that's the most important thing. For our early Kickstarter backers, we're giving you lifetime access. This app will replace like Calm or Headspace that you might be already paying hundreds of dollars for. But our app is designed from the ground up with beautiful soundscapes and binary beats and meditation and breathwork guides to help you get to balance your mind, body, and spirit. So it's really good for overall well-being. So that's a plug-in for Ohm Sleep and the Ohm Mask. And uh, lastly, if you want to experience breathwork, I have a free virtual event and you can go to Awaken with Ohm, O-M. So awakenwithom.com and register for the free virtual uh, breathwork um, session. Who knows what's going to happen in that because a lot of magic happens in these containers. Is the is the Ohm Mask O-M then mask? Yes, okay. Ohm Sleep. It's The company is ohmsleep.co. Got it. Awesome. So here's the takeaway today, everybody. This is a. Well, I have lots more. questions. Oh, we got lots of questions. We're running. I know. We got the, the, the time. So I think the the crazy thing is, as an entrepreneur, it's lonely out there. You're going to have peaks and valleys, and no matter what you do, if you stay with it, you and and just be dedicated to whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. You don't even know what that is until you try it, and as you try it, and you're curious. Just like every other entrepreneur, <clears throat> excuse me. There's there's opportunity everywhere. You master what you're going to do. <clears throat> excuse me. Then you got to go to the next thing, and then the next thing, and then that's the question for Julie. Is well, I have two questions. Okay. So, <clears throat> the first one is, what is your superpower? I I would say my superpower is to. I had my finger on it till you brought out the sleep mask and the br the yeah. breath, and then I was like, "Well, it could be anything." Now everything's I, back open. I I think my superpower is to inspire people to to empower them, right? And so I, I truly believe that one of my gifts is that um, once you're in my field, I, I think I feel like I I can really help you. I can I can inspire or empower or help you find purpose and meaning uh, through the different kind of modalities or tools that enabled me to always be curious, to always learn. And and so I have this um, 
this philosophy in life called Kaizen. So the way of Kaizen um, is what I've really anchored into, uh, you know, my daily life. And the Kaizen principle comes from um, a company called Toyota uh, in Japan. And it's this concept of changing for good. So I use it for two things. One, Kai means change. Zen means good. So change for good. But the whole concept of this Kaizen concept is about improving uh, 1% every day. So it's, it's about getting better every day. That's okay to fail every day, to learn from that. And if you grow 1% every day and you do that 365 days of the year, you're going to get a 37x multiple. So you could improve 37x in any area of your life if you tackle it as a single concept of I'm going to just improve every day. I'm going to do one push-up. Next day, I'm going to do two push-ups and I'm going to continue to grow 1% every day. And that's the power of compounding interest versus um, o- looking for overnight success. So then I have one last question, and I want to know what is your end game? <laughs> My end game. Interesting question. So, I think I think the way I kind of look at that is just being being comfortable that that I'm on a path of reaching my full potential. So my end game is to make sure that I can reach my full potential to serve humanity and to serve the world in a way that makes a lasting impact. And and th- that would be the end game, is if I can truly impact the world uh, with my products or services that I brought into the world to make make the world better. And I think that probably means you're gonna can, never gonna stop doing that because you're good at it. You like it and it seems to work. So the end game is there is no end game. You're going to just keep going. It was a trick question. Trick question. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Terry, you've been a pleasure having on this. This this has been a, I think it's a great podcast, lots of nuggets. I hope you enjoyed your time with us. Um, and we look forward to seeing you in the future because I'm going to get in and go back a bunch of stuff after this. (laughs) Uh, So again, appreciate you being on the show. Uh, Another edition of Empowering Entrepreneurs. I'm Glenn Harper. Julie Smith, thanks. Thanks. At Harper and Company CPA Plus, we just don't care about the numbers. We care about helping you tap into the greatness of your entrepreneurial journey. You deserve a partner who has helped hundreds of businesses go from paying the bills to building the business and lifestyle of their dreams. Go to our website and download our free guide entitled Entrepreneurial Success Formula, How to Avoid Managing Your Business from Your Bank Account. The link is in this episode's show notes.